The hour is late, and the moon is leering. If you feel as though you're being watched, you're right. Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria. Starring Bess Lawson as Gilly O'Hare. Megan Stressman as Rusty Rattlesnake. Philip Stressman as Florence Beauregard. And James Kettler as every other person, living or dead. We open outside the trough. Night has fully settled in. The moon is bright in the sky as the stars twinkle above you. You are all gathered outside with Cheryl and Barley Bishops already mounted on their horses, ready to head out for tonight's mission. Barley says, All right, Rust. Time for them chickens to come home to roost and for you to pay your debts. All right, Barley, let's hurry up and get this done. Do you know where we're going? Oh, I know just where we're going. All right. Follow me. All right. Rusty jumps on his horse and puts a hand out for Gilly to help to get Gilly on the back of the horse. Yeah, Gilly's only done this the one other time when she was wasted, so it's still probably, like, sloppy and <laughs> not very good. So she just flails her body on over. <laughs> Cheryl reaches a hand out to Flo and says, Ms. Beauregard? Uh, no, thank you, Cheryl. If you were taking me anywhere else but to vampires, I would already be on that horse. Come on, you don't really believe in vampires, do you? Wait, well, does this mean I can opt out too? Wait, in your, Gilly, in your no. mind, Cheryl, in your head, are you just going to, you think you're going to kill human beings with wooden stakes? That's your nighttime activity? Who said anything about wooden stakes? And Barley takes out both his revolvers and just fires three shots each off into the air. Gilly puts her hands on her temples and just goes, <laughs> ay, ay, ay. I think Rusty gets out his machine gun too, so it's going, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> And Gilly's gonna grab Rusty by the wrist and just go, no. Oh, sorry, I got caught up in those lasso lad days, you know? Hans just pokes his head out the door and says, Are you just shooting some into the air? Hans, don't worry about it. We're being good. No, no, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure I didn't have any bodies to clean up. I wanted to make sure the bullets weren't going into each other. Hans, we wouldn't do that to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) Not all of my patrons would agree. And Barley says, Listen, I've been on this earth many a year, and I've learned that I don't believe in monsters. I just believe in men. And there's some men that we gotta go kill. Uh-huh. Um, I mean this with all the disrespect that I could possibly <laughs> conjure up. You're an idiot. Barley tips his hat at you, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I guess I'm equally not interested in human murder. All right, well, uh, you get home safe, and we'll touch base tomorrow. Flo? Mm, Flo's looking at Cheryl's arms again. 
Oh. Rusty's looking at you, looking, <laughs> looking at, at Cheryl, Cheryl. <laughs> looking at you. Gilly at pulls Cheryl. out a compact and is looking at herself <laughs> in the mirror. Florence, we don't got all day. We literally got to go. Flo says, ah, fuck it, and grabs Cheryl's hand and Ooh. climbs up onto her horse. Wow. Rusty is a little sad, looks over at the two of you on the horse, and then looks into the sky and says, oh, man. <laughs> And a one little single tear comes down. Ew. <laughs> All right, that's enough jawing. Let's get going. Sweet bread. Yeah. 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 Our camera pans up as we hear the gallop of horse hooves across the dirt road, which slowly turns into asphalt as y'all leave Cowboy Town and get back into parts of the actual city. You ride and ride through the night, silent but for the sound of the hoofbeats. And after riding for a few blocks, hanging a few rights, hanging a few lefts, probably dodging cars along your way, (laughs) Barley begins to slow his horse and eventually comes to a full stop. And he says, uh, that right there, that's our target. And he points to an unassuming looking building about half a block down on the right. You can see out front, close to the road, a sign for the building. It is a, uh, it's like three wood boards that have been painted white. Uh, There's a big gold cross in the background. And then in blue font on the front, it says Greater Los Angeles Teetotalers Society. So that's, that's the spot, that's where the vamps are? For the last time, Russell, there ain't no such thing as no vampires. Um, I'd like to make it known that Gilly, uh, for the past, like, probably hour of this journey, has been just biting her nails down to tiny little stumps. Ooh. She's upset. These sons of bitches have been taking our men out in secret. I don't know. (laughs) What? (laughs) On dates? (laughs) On dates? No. They've been killing them. We've been over this. (laughs) Sorry, I feel like there's two parallel stories going on here. I'm trying to keep each one straight. Because in one, there's vampires, and in one, there's just guys. Listen, it's always vampires. It's vampires, vampires, vampires. Heard. There's no such thing as vampires. Then how do you... See, that's a counterpoint. But how do you explain it, then? How do I explain what? All your men dying. They got killed by these people. And they're the... teetotalers, and they, they're they a crazed religious group, all right? The they don't all... like... <laughs> they don't like that we're distributing alcohol. These are the same people that forced prohibition to be passed in the first place. Then how do you explain their blood being drained from their bodies? It's symbolic. No, it's not. <laughs> it's it's a threat to us, the lasso lads. Uh, okay, well, I just want to let you know that with that attitude, you're probably going to die tonight. <laughs> I second that. Yep. Flo raises her hand. Um, Mr. Barleycorn. Yes, um. Is Do yes. we have a plan, vampire or no? Do we have a plan besides shout at each other in front of their building until they come out and kill us? <laughs> <laughs> Barley says, uh, I've been staking this place out for about a week now. And these freaks don't ever leave. That means they're in there right now sleeping. So what we're going to do, we're going to tie the horses off here. We're going to sneak in real quiet-like, and we're going to take them out when they least suspect it. 
All right, but listen, they're not sleeping. They're awake. They're vampires. They come alive in the nighttime. I will hear no more of this nonsense. All right. Sounds like we got a volunteer for going in first. Yep, Barley, it's you, I guess. Oh, I was planning on it. I'm the leader on this mission. Um, Gilly has been <laughs> Gilly's been plugging her ears with her fingers during this whole speech because it's ridiculous. Um, and Gilly's going to grab two steaks out of her like trench coat that she always wears and give one to Flo. Well, give one to Rusty and then hop off the horse and give one to Flo. Barley does not get one. Oh, I'll give one to Cheryl too. Yeah, Cheryl can have one. Thank you. Uh, What's them sticks gonna do? Uh, they're vampires. It's gonna kill them. You gotta do straight through. La the, la la um, la. He's got his fingers in his ears. La la la. Um, it, b- Barley. Yeah. Can, can you excuse the four of us for just a moment? We're gonna. I'm gonna explain to these three why you're right and vampires aren't real. But it might embarrass them to have you listening. <laughs> yeah, it would. Em- it would embarrass me. Barley has terrible posture, like generally. Like he's mm-hmm. a big dude, but he's always kind of hunched over. But you say this, and like his back kind of straightens, and he like puffs out his chest a little bit, and he kind of says like, <clears throat> "Well, I'm glad you see things my way, madam." Actually, I don't see anything your way, and she's just mumbling. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go over here. You break them the news. Ten, ten, four, uh, mon commandant. I don't speak European. <laughs> Uh, once Barley wanders off, he takes another apple out of his pocket and starts cutting off slices of it. His knife is so sticky. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah once he's once he's um, got out of earshot, Flo like gathers in Rusty and Gilly and Cheryl and says, uh, "Okay, so uh, listen, we're just gonna let this guy go in and get killed and then leave, right?" Well, I mean, excuse me, no. Absolutely not. What are you talking about, Florence? I'm fine with the first part, but it's not going to be so easy to just leave, so I cannot guarantee anything with that. I agree with Gilly. It's... As you should. Yeah. She's right on this one. Like, the vampires aren't going to just let us go. Like, I don't really care about Barley dying. Like, I feel bad what I did to him. Russell! (laughs) If it's the only thing that'll make him talk less, then... Yeah. I mean, like, he's... He's Listen. not listening. We're trying to save his life. He's not listening to us. So. You're talking about vampires. Who would listen to that? Gilly and I have firsthand experience with them. And, like, why can't he take my word? We used to be best friends. Yeah, well, I mean, Rusty, look, I know I did it with you, but uh, we did burn that bridge pretty hard and pretty hot. But, like, why would I be screaming about and hollering about vampires? There's a reason, because they're real. Listen... Whether they're vampires or not, Russ, we're not doing this for Barley. This is for the Lasso Lads, all right? Listen. Your band of brothers. I know, I know. Okay. But I can't do anything about Barley not believing us. I've got a suggestion. Okay. We let him go in first like he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And we shut the door and we set the building on fire. Then, take care of the vampire problem, Lasso Lads will be happy, and... What, what else? What else was there? <laughs> you no, know, I have been wanting to set things on fire lately. But can you kill vampires with fire? Gilly, you're the expert. I mean, they would have to like fully burn. Like if they just caught on fire, but they were able to get out of the fire, then that wouldn't kill them. But if we were able to trap them in a room, I think I think that might work. I don't know. I've never killed them with fire. Yeah, they'd have to. We'd have to make sure that they can't get out. Because what if they just run out and then they're just like. 
on fire, flailing their arms around, sure. coming after us. Yeah, then, then that's a vampire that's on fire, and that's twice no, as bad. That's twice. Vampire on fire. <laughs> oh, shit, he's back. <laughs> and that's why vampires aren't real. Okay, I'm a changed man. I, Gilly is too. What? <laughs> we don't believe in vampires anymore because Florence showed us the lie. Good. I'm glad you got all that crazy nonsense out of your heads. Yep, it only uh. took one minute, and I'm <laughs> cured now. All right. <laughs> Y'all ready to do this? Uh, uh, what? <laughs> what is my role? What do you all see as my role here? If you have a weapon, get it out. I mean, I got my 38 always. All right. Well, get that on your hip. I call him uh, Mr. Whispers. Okay. Because he's so loud. It's an ironic nickname. That's funny. Thank you. No, it's not. <laughs> Barley uh, says, uh, all right. Everybody a- get your piece ready. And he raises a revolver and cocks it. Cheryl, you and me are taking the lead. Uh, No, Barley, you're taking the lead. I need somebody to watch my six. We're going in two by two. Cheryl, let's go. Absolutely not. I don't have time to talk about this no longer. Cheryl, let's go. Cheryl, don't do it. Rusty, I mean, Cheryl can decide for herself. I thought you were a king shit, a woman respecting mountain over here. That's true. Cheryl, you're your own human being. What do you want to do? I always do what's right for the lasso, lads. Let's go, Barley. (laughs) All right, Cheryl. uh, Gilly and I will have your back. In flow? I will be the lookout. Perfect. In case... Uh, more vampires. Fly in from I mean, the sky as bats. I mean, more humans come. Human beings Human disguised beings. as bats fly in from the sky. Yeah. That's nope. good thinking. <laughs> Thank you. I. You know what? I'm going to keep you around, I decided, actually. <laughs> I'm not going to let you die. You are the exact kind of strong and dumb that might be super useful. <laughs> Um, Gilly is going to take out um, her 38 and load it with silver bullets. Gilly, do you have extra silver bullets? Are you just going to throw them? Oh, you have a gun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just gonna just th- in the eyeball. I yep. mean, it would like... Ow! Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess I can spare one. Uh, and Gilly's going to drop the bullet in Flo's hand. One... So generous of you. I'll use it on myself if vampires show up. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I got regular bullets, too. I'll use one of those on myself. This one I'll save for one, the biggest vampire I see. And flows cracks open her 38 and pushes out one single bullet onto the ground and replaces it with a silver one and cracks her 38 closed and spins it in a very cool way. Oh, no. Yeah, so um, y'all get all your weapons prepped. You get the horses tied off to, I'm going to say, like a street light. And uh, Barley and Cheryl take the lead, and they begin to creep towards this building. As you get closer, you get a better glimpse of the building, obviously, because you were a little bit down the street. It is styled like a German house built in like the 1600s. So it's like two stories, white with like, you know, the the, uh, wood planks outlining certain parts of the outside, thatched roof. So y'all creep trepidatiously up the front steps of this building. As Barley and Cheryl get to the front door, Barley kind of throws up a fist and then just kind of waves a couple of hand signals that none of y'all understand. Mm -hmm. And he gingerly reaches down to the doorknob and jiggles it frantically, obviously expecting it to be locked. But it's not. And he jiggles the knob and the door creaks open in front of you. 
as Barley and Cheryl take a step or two inside, Rusty and Gilly together, I guess. Holding hands, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. With our guns and sticks in hands, holding hands. Rusty and Gilly, you uh, you get a sh- you're able to like you know peer through the doorway just behind them and get a, a sense of the inside of this place. So, like I said, this building is like two stories tall, but there is no second story. Just tall. It's large. Yeah. yeah. It's styled like a church, a fairly modest one. The building isn't very deep. Uh, so there's only about five or six rows of pews and then a pretty modest, like, raised platform with the uh, where the pulpit sits. So like I said, the ceiling is vaulted, and the first thing you notice is it's nighttime, and there ain't no interior lighting in here, so that whole ceiling area is pretty dark. Cool. The oh, other th- God. The oh, other man. thing that catches your eye that you hadn't noticed until getting inside the building is the moonlight glinting through on your right side, a large, beautiful stained glass window um, that starts just about like three feet above the ground and then goes all the way up basically the whole side of the building. Can you describe the stained glass window? You see, it is the image of Saint Sebastian penetrated by many, many arrows with his halo above him. Uh, What you note about this particular depiction of St. Sebastian is there is a very strong emphasis on the blood coming out of him um, as crystals of red stained glass pour from every wound and pool at the bottom of the window itself. Cool. Slurp it up, baby. Uh, Rusty's going to tap Gilly on the shoulder and, like, tell her, like, signaling with his hands to, like, keep an eye up because it's so dark and like I'm assuming the vampires are Gilly's gonna kind of shake her head to acknowledge that she understands and then I think Rusty's gonna just like tap Barley with his um, gun like the the barrel of his gun <laughs> and just like I would hate that I know. <laughs> uh, but on the shoulder and like kind of nudge to Barley for like um him and Cheryl to like go one way and for Gilly and um, Rusty to go the other so they split up and Flo you're at the door right? Yeah Flo is uh, a few steps behind y'all I think sort of like frozen in the doorway still with her uh, 38 (laughs) held aloft in one hand and the stake (laughs) held aloft in the other hand just sort of like scanning the, the room. Yeah you tap Barley on the shoulder with your gun and you like motion that you need to split up and Barley like nods and then does a bunch of other hand signals at you that you do not process or recognize. I nod. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And Barley and Cheryl go right and y'all go left. And I think you, you know, guns at the ready, both of you kind of creep around the outside edges of the church, scanning the pews, scanning under the pews. And uh, you get through the whole outline of the church and meet back at the center uh, where the pulpit is. And I think you both approach the pulpit from the front and you and Barley both kind of creep around the back at the same time and find nothing there. And uh, Barley, who has been in like a stealth crouch, this basically since y'all started walking up to the building, finally stands up straight and he says, I don't understand it. If they ain't never leave the building, where are they sleeping? And then before he can get another word out of his mouth, he disappears in a blur of motion into the rafters above. Do you think he knows they're not human now? (laughs) 
Uh, Rusty's gonna just start shooting above. Yeah, Rusty, you start firing off your Tommy gun and the flashes of light from your bullets coming out of the barrel allow you to see vaguely what is going on up in the rafters. You can see clearly Barley Bishops standing on one of the wooden support beams being held on either side by two figures and like in strobe in just like we're just getting frames of the action. You see them both chomp down on his neck. You see a spray of blood and then you see them tear both of his arms off at the shoulder and his armless corpse falls off the rafters and lands with a thud in front of you. Oh shit, oh shit. Through the light of your muzzle flash, you're able to see three figures in the rafters kind of raise their hands to their faces as this hail of bullets comes towards them. And as you're spraying bullets up there, there's wood splinters from these support beams just flying and flying and flying. And eventually you can hear the one they're standing on start to creak. You can hear one of them shriek out in pain as a couple of your bullets tag them. And in a burst of speed and a flash and a blur, these three of the vampires leap from this rafter to the ground into the uh, corner of the room just to y'all's right. (sighs) Now that they are down on the ground, you are able to get a closer look at their visage. Uh, You see three human-like figures standing in the garb of Catholic priests, the long black robes, the black collar with the uh, little white rectangle in the middle of it. Their skin is absent any shade of like red or pink or sign of blood flow in their bodies. Uh, You're on like a 50 shades of gray scale here for their skin. Their eyes, however, are a bright crimson red all the way through, save for the pitch black pupils directly in the middle. They have long black nails that look like they ain't seen a nail technician in centuries. And they stand in the corner of the room and hiss at all of you menacingly. (sighs) Ooh, give me the heebie-jeebies. Seconds after you hear the whoosh of these three landing, And after catching a glimpse of their visage, you hear the wood rafters above you continue to crack and splinter until that beam that you just shot up finally gives way and hurtles towards the ground and towards Rusty Rattlesnake. Save me. (laughs) He says, Save me. (laughs) So the minute, or the second Gilly sees the beam start to fall, she's going to grab like a fistful of Rusty's shirt and sling him backwards so his feet leave the ground and just catch him in her arms like cradling him. Gilly, you saved me. Yeah, you're welcome. The beam hits the ground and explodes into a million pieces of wooden shrapnel. And Gilly, one of them is gonna catch you in the leg and you're gonna take one harm. Ow. That's rude. (laughs) So you just got a big you got like a like a seven inch hunk of wood jutting out of your thigh. Gilly's going to look down and see the big splinter of wood in her leg. Um, She's going to quickly 
pull put it. down Rusty. Yeah, yeah. Put, put down Rusty. <laughs> Ouch. Just drop um, me on the floor. And just with like no expression whatsoever, just like pulls it out of her leg, rips a piece off of um, her, I guess, shirt that she has on under her coat, and then tie it around her thigh as tightly as she can. Are you okay, Gilly? Yeah, I'll walk it off. Cheryl, you okay? Cheryl is knelt over the armless corpse of Barley Bishops, holding his head in her hands and like slapping his cheek going, Barley, Barley, come on now. Barley, you gotta get back up. Come on, walk it off. Cheryl, this is really not the time. Could you focus? Barley, come on. Cheryl, he's gone. He's gone. We need to focus on us so we can get ourselves out of here alive. At that moment, the three vampires lunge towards Gilly. Gilly's going to pull out her shuriken and throw them, like, two with one hand, one with the other, and try to hit, like, each one. One of these vampires, they're positioned in, like, a perfect little triangle, uh, and the one at the front lunges towards you, and I think you whip out your silver shuriken, Mm -hmm. and you toss it, and as he's coming at you, it embeds itself in his shoulder, And so he banks to the right instead of coming straight at you, but he is gonna get you with those big nasty nails as he goes by, and you're gonna take two more harm. No! And as the vampire like goes past you, he darts back to rejoin his group and he yanks the silver shuriken out of his shoulder and holds it in his hand for a second. You see his hand smoking and then he casts it to the ground. Okay, so, (laughs) all right, are you close? Is Flo close? I'm in the doorway. So not close enough. All Unless right, so- Flo's left, which I haven't decided yet. Okay. <laughs> see how it goes. Yeah, I don't even know why you came. Um, so Rusty is going to do some tricky moves. And like since all the vampires are together, so there's broken wood pieces on the floor. So Rusty's going to grab a big hunk of broken wood. And then Rusty is going to attempt to do three backflips in a row and then land it and then stake two of the vampires, one with the wooden stake that Gilly gave him, and then the other stake is one that Rusty got from the ground. Can you give us like a flashback to when Rusty did this on a movie set, how he learned this skill? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like it's like a movie about diving, and so he just learned how to do a bunch of flips in a row. So it was about a 12-year-old girl that was going to the Olympics, and Rusty was the stunt double for the 12-year-old girl is going to the Olympics. So uh-huh. Rusty had to learn how to do the flips and the flops. Okay, so Rusty, we get like the Edgar Wright style, like fast whoosh cuts as you you like look to the vampires, look to the beam that fell off the ceiling, see the big hunk of splinters lying on the ground, cut back to your face as your eyes squint in determination. And then we flash into your mind to the set of the most special 12-year-old gymnast in the whole wide world, directed by F. Abrams Clooney. Wait, that's the, <laughs> that's the movie title? Yes. The most special girl in the world? The most special 12-year-old girl in the whole world, <laughs> yeah. I think is what I said. I'm like... Uh, Rusty's 6'5". And we see Rusty. (laughs) We see Rusty dressed in the outfit of a 12-year-old female gymnast standing next to an actual 12-year-old girl and the director (laughs) of this movie who uh, is dressed pretty similarly to Landon Forsyth. He's just got like maybe a slightly different build to him and he says, all right, Rusty, you learned how to do these moves yet? 
Yeah, I like learned him last night when I was at the trough. Let's see him. <laughs> All right, everybody take your places and action. And as soon as he calls action in your flashback, we go into slow motion as Rusty runs forward and leaps into a triple back handspring. And that fades in beautifully to Rusty kneeling on the ground in the church, grabbing that big wooden hunk of fallen beam and charging towards the vampires, recreating this back handspring perfectly. You land in front of the triangle of vampires, facing the same way they are, so with your back to them, because you were doing a back handspring. True. You land, and with Gilly stake in one hand and your improvised stake in the other, jam them both into these vampires. Yeah! Like that'll deafen them for sure. Eat it, vampires! <laughs> uh, Gilly Stake manages to get one of them directly in the chest, bam, bam, bam. straight into the heart, and he explodes yeah. in a poof of ash. Yeah! The other one, the improvised stake, uh, it's not carved as well, but you can still tell by the horrible scream he makes that it hurts like a son of a bitch. Hell yeah. The third vampire, the one standing in the middle, reacts to your arrival and immediately bites you on the shoulder. Ew! Am I a vampire now? Oh, God. We cut to the doorway. Oh, no. Where <laughs> Florence Beauregard has been watching this battle with wrapped and terrified interest. And we see from her perspective as Rusty executes this beautiful gymnastic move and incinerates a vampire in one fell swoop. I think his cowboy hat staying perfectly affixed to his head yeah. the entire time. entire time. And as he turns in still in slow-mo with like fan cam sparkles glittering around his cowboy hatted head, our camera cuts to Flo's face and we see her cheeks go flush. Oh my gosh, do you like me now? And then the vampire bites Rusty and Flo goes, ah! <laughs> <laughs> Rusty! Ow! It got me! And um. it uh, releases its bite and you fall forward onto the ground. Ow! Bleeding out your shoulder. I'm gonna turn into a vampire! Get them! You all gotta get out of there! Okay. Get out now! Alright! Cheryl! Gilly! Let's go! So you fell right near the vampires, I guess? Yeah, I'm on the floor, so I'm gonna crawl for a second and then get up to my feet, and okay. I'm holding my wound. Okay. So, Rusty, you start crawling across the floor to get back up on your feet and head towards the entrance. Cheryl, who has still been knelt down next to Barley Bishops this whole time, stands, sees the wound on your shoulder, and says, I'm gonna get you, sons of bitches! And charges directly at the three vampires. Cheryl, no! She fires off her gun. She catches the vampire in the middle in the shoulder, but that ain't no silver bullet in her gun, so he just kind of lurches back, grunts, and charges directly at her. Gilly's gonna raise up her gun, which has the correct bullets that she tried to tell everyone about, and try to get him right in the heart. Yeah! Cheryl charges at these vampires. Guns blazing. The vampire in the middle that bit Rusty charges towards her in a blur of motion. 
Gilly, you raise your revolver, armed with silver bullets, level with your eye, and with reflexes that you have trained so hard to hone, reflexes that are maximizing your human potential. You're able to track his motion just in time and get off a silver bullet that seems to miss his heart, but gets him like straight in the chest and he just crumples to the ground, howling in pain. Hey, you got something on your shirt. The vampire that uh, Rusty staked with the improvised stake sees his friend go down and rips the hunk of wood out of his own chest and is gonna hurl it right at you, Gilly, and get you in the leg in the exact same spot where your other wound was, but on the opposite leg. So yeah, that wood splinter catches you in the thigh and having already that huge wound in your other leg, you were barely standing as it was and that's gonna make you buckle to your knees immediately. Gilly's just gonna look up to Rusty and say, I can use a hand. I'm going to get you out of here. And Rusty grabs Gilly and throws Gilly over his shoulder and turns to Cheryl and say, we need to go now. Leave Barley and grabs his gun and shoots through the stained glass window. Rusty. Yeah. You point your gun at the stained glass window. Gilly on my shoulder. My butt in the air. Yes. That's embarrassing. (laughs) I don't think you're thinking that it's embarrassing right now. Well, no, you probably are. (laughs) You blast out the stained glass window with a million bullets from the drum of your Tommy gun. The glass sprays through the air in a rainbow of colors, each glinting in the moonlight. As the glass pieces fall back to the ground, you turn and look back at Cheryl. And she has not turned her attention towards you at all. She has her gun cocked, and she is uh, her gaze is firmly planted on that third and final vampire. Mm. Uh, she and this vampire are like, like she's got her eyes locked on it, and it's got its eyes locked on her. So it's not paying you no mind. You can leave right now, but Cheryl is not coming with you. Rusty. As you are stuck looking back and forth between this shot-out open glass window and your beautiful ex-girlfriend, Cheryl, Mm -hmm. who's facing down all these vampires, you hear a familiar voice from over your shoulder. God? You hear Florence Beauregard say, Okay, wait. And you turn and you see Flo inside the church, standing in the aisle, with her hands empty above her head, facing the vampires. I think Gilly's a little out of it, like her eyes are kind of half open. And so when Flo says that, Gilly's just going to say, Flo, why are you upside down? (laughs) (laughs) Florence, what are you doing? Flo ignores Rusty and addresses the vampires directly. (laughs) Um, And she says, listen, the only reason we came here was because of that guy right there and he's dead, and he doesn't have any arms anymore. We lost one of ours. One of ours is hurt. You lost one of yours. One of yours is hurt. Why don't we all just, like, give it up? Put our guns and bullets and throwing uh, weapons and stakes and teeth down, and we can just walk away. Even Steven, no problemo. Roll to manipulate someone. That's actually not what I'm doing. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Distractions. A close observer might notice that (laughs) Flo's empty hands held above her head have been putting themselves in a series of very specific positions the entire time that she's been talking. And we cut to a flashback. (laughs) A few nights ago, in Flo's apartment, the lights are out. Candles are lit. We see Flo sitting cross-legged atop a pentagram painted onto the floor with an ancient occult tome open in front of her. In this tome, we see a lot of words and letters that we can't read or understand. I don't know how to read. They're from so many thousands of years ago. But we do see a drawing of a portal, a swirling portal with tentacles emerging out of it. And then we see directly above that drawing, a ghostly finger pointing to that drawing. And our camera pans out and we see in front of Flo, pointing to this drawing in the book, the ghostly outline of the spirit of a man wearing traditional garb of a denizen of the Arabian desert from thousands of years ago. And we hear Flo say, ah, thank you, Abdul Alhazred. That might come in handy later. And we cut back to now. Flo. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> in the midst of your big speech, everyone else in the room, Rusty, Gilly, Cheryl, the two vampires, can feel almost like a change in the air pressure as you're talking and as you're doing these hand signals. And the more you do and the closer they get to completion, the whole room seems to like the air is vibrating, like there's a resonant frequency ringing through the room that none of you can hear but feel. And when you complete the final hand gesture, it ramps up immediately, and you all feel like a shockwave just passed through the room as the veil between planes becomes thinner. Above you, where those rafters are, where those rafters fell down, you can all see a circle begin to appear. Flo. It's a a circle of swirling darkness. Like it was already dark up here, but y'all can tell that this is something else entirely. You can see the motion of it spinning and swirling as it begins to expand. Flo. When the portal reaches its maximum circumference, you feel in the back of your head that little itch, that same little pinprick of something watching behind you that you felt while you were astral projecting down in the bone room. As you feel this feeling, two gigantic palms reach down from inside this portal And sensing your intent and your direction, grab the remaining two vampires and haul them up into the air and into the portal as they scream and holler and struggle futilely against a force far more powerful than even they could comprehend. I think Gilly... 
like she's been kind of in and out of consciousness, but she, this wakes her up just a little bit, and she's gonna reach out while the hands are pulling the vampires out and just say, "Amen," <laughs> <laughs> and then pass the fuck out. <laughs> Vampires are hauled up into the swirling darkness, and you hear their uh, their hisses and screams fade away to nothing as these giant black hands vanish out of sight. The flow that pinprick in the back of your head continues to grow stronger as the portal begins to shrink to a close, like you can feel someone approaching behind you. And while you get the feeling that someone is just over your shoulder, just as this portal is sealing up, you hear a whisper in your ear say, Hello, Florence. And then the portal is closed. Ah. And the pinprick <laughs> is gone. Flo is uh, going to whip her head around and look behind her a couple of times. There's nothing there. As soon as she sees there's nothing there, she uh, shakes it off very deliberately and then tries to look cool again in front of her cool friends. Flo, what in the fuck was that? Ah, I did it. You did <laughs> that? I did it. Did you see that? I summoned power from beyond the veil. Rusty's just staring at the ceiling like, well, I I don't even know. That was so cool. We're all cool. Look, all of us have special like abilities and we're all so cool. We're all this. We're all cool, right? That was cool. What I did. That, yeah, but um, that was really scary. And Gilly's really hurt. Oh, yeah. And Barley's dead. Uh, <laughs> but thank you for saying <laughs> Cheryl just bursts out in the tear. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Cheryl's not going to like that. Enough. But yeah, that was cool, I guess. I don't know what I saw. We need to get Gilly some help. Yeah, Gilly's just making, uh, like, just uncomfortable noises because she's in pain. Just every now and then just like, Cheryl is still, uh, like, staring straight ahead where the vampire she was about to attack was. And I think, like, she had her revolver held out, and now she's just done that thing where, like, she's let go of it, and it's just dangling, like, on her finger. And her jaw is to the floor, and she is white as a sheet, just kind of going, like, I... What? 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 Magic is real! Vampires are real! And I'm stronger than them! And I have so much power! Uh, I'm happy for you. Thank you. Uh, Cheryl, I'm really sorry about Barley. We kind of knew this was gonna happen. Kind you knew this was gonna happen? Not, I mean, not the vampires and the, the monster thing and the flow magic thing, and but... I mean, Barley didn't believe us, and he ended up leaving this world. I'm sorry that I didn't believe you, Russ. I'll forgive you, but listen, I would never make up vampires. I, I know, I know, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, uh, it's a lot to wrap one's head around, and, um, I would like a stiff drink. Yep. And a lie down is, I think, what I would like for the, the rest of my evening. Flo raises her hand. She says, ah, uh, point of order. Is Rusty a vampire now? Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I am. I did get bit, and I am bleeding. Let's, can we go to, to your friend's house, Flo? Wally? Yeah. I feel like that's a safe place to be. We can get Gilly all rested up, yeah, get a I stiff drink. Tell Wally about this. He's going to love this. All right. Or be mad and concerned. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little of column A, a little of column B. 
Well, Flo, uh, looks like you got yourself a horse now. You can take him to to. Walt. I live in an apartment building. <laughs> You're not gonna just li- live on the horse. You take <laughs> you take the horse. No, I know I'm not. I know I'm not gonna live on the horse. <laughs> the horse has to live somewhere. <laughs> I was like, what is you living in an apartment building? <laughs> the horse has to live in the apartment. Yeah. Well, it's okay. We'll just leave him at Wally's. Just ride him to Wally's, and um, I'm going to deal with Gilly. And picks up Gilly's limp body and throws Gilly on Rusty's horse, jumps on, and says, yeah, and takes off. Uh, Flo watches you and Gilly right away and turns to Cheryl and says, um, can you, uh, like lead my horse and I can ride, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to drive it. Cheryl, uh, looks at you and kind of eyes you up and down cause she's seeing you in a very different light. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, uh, yeah, here, let me show you. And she, uh, helps you, helps hoist you up onto sweet bread. <laughs> And uh, as we, like, I think trot slowly uh, after them, Flo's going to say, uh, listen, before tonight, you and Rusty didn't really get it. He seemed like a ding-dong, but now that I've seen him in action, honey, I get it. Yeah, Rusty is, uh, he's one of the best of us. There's not a thing that I don't think he could do if he put his mind to it. And now he's a vampire. <laughs> Hold on, we don't know that yet. Let's uh, let's get to your friend's place and find out. Flo's not listening. She's just looking up at the moon significantly and like slowly sliding out of the saddle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think Cheryl has one hand on the reins of your horse and she's like leading it back the right way because it keeps trying to wander off. We cut to the front steps of the mansion of one Wallace Patter Goodwin. Y'all have just uh, knocked on the door to announce your arrival. Wally opens the door, standing there in his usual long, flowing caftan, holding a coupe glass with a couple ounces of a bright green liquid inside. Flo takes it and slams it. (laughs) And she says, Wally, you'll never guess what I did. Um, Wally looks like at the group and says like, oh my God. Goodness, what have you lot been up to? Flo, you can explain in a second, but we gotta get Gilly in a bed right now. So I think Rusty's like, I'm gonna return the favor and cradle you like a baby. And I'm gonna bust through the door past Wally with Gilly in my arms. Oh, oh, okay. Let's um head here. Follow me. And Thank Wally, you. Wally kind of dashes ahead of you into his bedroom, and he takes out a big white sheet from his closet and drapes it over his chaise lounge so as not to get any of Gilly's blood on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you enter his mansion, passing by in his ballroom to your left, a large decadent party going on with a four-piece jazz band and about three dozen people all standing around in suits uh, taking sips of drinks. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry, Wally, that we busted in your important party. Oh, no, it's fine. I hate all these people. Oh, oh, oh okay. Well, I just need to get Gilly, um, and I need to get her down and, like, check and make sure she's okay because she's bleeding, and also I'm bleeding too. Do you see, Wally? Oh, my goodness. Are those teeth marks? I think I'm going to be a vampire. 
Let's head into the bedroom for a moment. And uh, Wally lets you all pile in and walks out to the ballroom for a second and says, uh, attend to yourselves, your host must retire for the evening. Drink until the day breaks. And the whole crowd erupts into a big cheer. And then a sassy jazz tune kicks up as Wally retreats to the bedroom and shuts the doors behind him. I love a sassy jazz tune. Crowding out the uh, sounds of the party. Wally, uh, what's the angle down there? Looks like you got a bunch of fat sacks of cash lined up. Oh, yes, yes, yes. You know, just uh, conning them into a uh, charity that doesn't exist. It's very, very easy here in Los Angeles. Uh, You just tell people it's for a good cause and they hand you their money and think nothing else of it. Because everyone in show business is stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Excuse me. Uh, Rusty puts Gilly down on the chaise lounge and uh, rushes to the bathroom. Uh, What's a, what do you call them? Towels. (laughs) Rusty wets a towel with cold water and puts it on the back of Gilly's neck and starts to like inspect like her wounds and stuff. Can I have a shot? Wally would need some whiskey. Wally says, uh, I think I have something better. And he runs to his bar cart and starts digging around all the way in the back behind all of his bottles of absinthe and whiskey and gin uh, and pre-prohibition wine. And uh, he pulls out a uh, old glass bottle with no label and a big old cork in it. And it has a clear liquid inside that almost seems to sparkle in the light. And while he says, have a drink this. Rusty's going to take it and put like move Gilly's jaw down ah. <laughs> and just start pouring that liquid in Gilly's mouth. Here, drink up, Gilly. Um, Wally said it's going to help you. What is this? I don't know. <laughs> Gilly, uh, you take a few sips of this mystery liquid and I think you are already having trouble holding your eyes open and uh, you just go right to sleep. Phew. She'll be she'll be much better by the morning. Okay. I- Might be a little stiff, but she'll be fine. Rusty's gonna run over to Wally's bed and grab the comforter off and then just like place it on Gilly and then pat her little head and tuck her in. Thank you, Wally. I was so worried about her and we didn't know where else to go. We were fighting vampires. Ugh, I mean, I'll let Flo tell the story. I can't even So here it. I was, <laughs> <laughs> terrified of these hideous beasts from the night of whom I had never seen before. Flo says to a room of three people, (laughs) one of whom is unconscious. Oh, no, no, no. Four people, one of whom is unconscious. And so then I said, I said, you've lost one of yours. We've lost one of ours. Why don't we, uh, you know, part way? But what I was really doing was forming my hands into the symbols to cast the spell. I tricked them all. Anyway, and then some big hands came down and sucked them up in the sky. Wally uh, looks at looks between the two of you. Cheryl, I think, is posted up in a corner of the room doing the cowboy lean on the wall. Um, Oh, yeah, Cheryl, Wally, Wally, Cheryl. Yes, hello. And Cheryl just silently tips her hat. And Wally kind of darts his eyes back and forth between you, Flo, and you, Rusty. And he says, uh, well, I'm glad to see you made it out in one piece, but I fear you're not out of the woods yet. What? Monsieur Rattlesnake. Yeah? That bite on your neck. Rusty puts his hand to it. Nothing that will happen to you yet is for certain, but your fate is entirely in your own hands. What does that mean? The blood curse of the vampire. 
begins its effect on you when you are bitten. You have the opportunity to break it. You must not drink of human blood for the next three days. But this is much easier said than done. The cravings, though. With each passing day, the cravings will go stronger and stronger. It will feel like you're going through withdrawal. If you can make it through, you will come out the other side a mortal man. And for God's sakes, keep yourself away from blood. Well, I mean, how do I stay away from blood? Blood is everywhere. Blood is in your body, in your body, in your body, in my body. Stay away from blood being out in the open. Your cravings will be bad enough as it is, but if one of these two gets hurt again, it could become uncontrollable. Oh my God, how am I going to tell this to Gilly? What if I, what if I can't resist the cravings and I become a vampire cowboy? That would be pretty cool. Actually, it kind of would. Sounds really cool to me. It does sound really cool. Damn, it sounds really cool. But you're too soft for that. You can't go around killing people, sucking the blood out. I'm not. You're a sweet cowboy man. Did you see what I did back there? I'm not a sweet cowboy all the time. That's true. I murdered one vampire. So, it is up to your own strength and mental fortitude to make it through these next three days. But if I have the confidence that anyone can do it, Mr. Rattlesnake, I believe it would be you. You seem more than capable. Thanks for having that confidence in me. Of course. I'm gonna sit down with a bottle of whiskey and think about my life. Flo puts a hand on Rusty's shoulder, and she says, Listen, Rusty, uh, what Wally said is true, you know? Does anybody who can get through something like this, who's got a good enough head on their shoulders to see them through something like this, I think it's you. And when I see you next week, I cannot wait to hear about it. Cheryl, who has been standing, who hasn't said a word since y'all arrived at Wally's mansion, has just kind of been standing in the corner. She looks up from under the brim of her hat at you, Rusty, and she says, uh, I know you got this one, Russ. Thank you. It means so much to have this support from y'all. And then Wally says, uh, yes, 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 yes. What a lovely support network you have. Florence. Yeah. Uh-huh. Could I speak to you in the library for a moment? Sure. And uh, Wally leads you out of the bedroom, leaving Rusty to tend to Gilly and Cheryl to continue standing there in dramatic silence. I'm drinking whiskey because I heard that it uh, curves the cravings. Someone from the Vampire Diaries told me that. Yeah, Rusty, uh, as Wally and Flo exit the room, you do look at the wounds on Gilly's legs, which... You can see the potion is already beginning to have an effect because you can tell that the blood flow is rapidly beginning to slow. But you look at the wounds for like a second longer than you feel like you normally would, and you can just start to like feel your mouth getting a little dry. Just a little. And then we cut to the interior of Wally's library. Flo's holding a glass of champagne and a handful of hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the snack. Wally shuts the door behind him and turns to face you. And he has a, a look of deep concern on his face. Flo's shoveling hors d'oeuvres into her mouth with, from the one hand 
and chasing it with champagne with her other hand while making eye contact with Wally and trying to look very serious. <laughs> Wally takes the champagne glass from your hand <laughs> and slams what's left of it. Um, now my mouth's all dry from this crudite. And he says, uh, Florence, allow me to first express my admiration for the skills that you have managed to develop so quickly. Buzz grinning. Truly, as a uh, fellow student of magic and as your dear friend, it does warm my heart to see you advancing so quickly in these techniques. I'll do it again. You want to see it? No. <laughs> However, Florence, you must be very, very careful. Astral projecting, thinning the veil between worlds, these are excellent ways to attract the attention of certain beings you may not want attention from. Mm. I hear what you're saying. I do not want to discourage you because I think that magic is beautiful and I always appreciate a fellow student of the craft and I am happy to continue guiding you down this path. But be warned that it is a path you must proceed with extreme caution. Sorry, I got, <clears throat> got puff pastry caught in my throat. I didn't have any more champagne to push it down. I put all that into my mouth thinking I would have champagne to wash it down. I didn't. <clears throat> Wally. And Flo makes her face very serious again. And there's crumbs all around her mouth. And she says very seriously, Wally, as your friend, I promise you that I will only use these skills that you are helping me to develop in moments of extreme distress or for the betterment of mankind. I will never use them indiscriminately or for careless or selfish reasons. Wally looks you up and down once and says, All right, Florence, heed my warning. The last thing you want is any of these beings from any of these other realms knowing who you are and paying attention to what you're doing. And he turns and goes to leave. He opens the door and shuts it behind him, leaving you alone in the library. On the door to his library, there is a long mirror. And as the door shuts, you see in the mirror, standing behind you, a figure, all black, with the head of a goat. Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria was edited by James Kettler and produced by Philip Stressman with additional sounds provided by Zapsplat.com. Monster of the Week Tabletop RPG was written and created by Michael Sands. Join us again next week for more Phantasmagoria. And until then, be chill and stay dangerous.